0: from the Drown Rat Studios. You're listening to the Justice Speaks Up podcast, coming to you from everywhere and nowhere. Tipping the scales of justice with untold
1: stories of American families. And now, Justice Speaks Up. Hi, this is Archer Sierra, and you're listening to the Justice Speaks Up podcast. I am on the phone with Ryan Swindle out of Mesa, Arizona, who is a transgender father of three. Ryan, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. All right, so Ryan, why don't you go ahead and start where we always like to start, which is at the beginning and how CPS originally got, uh, you know, how how your family became you know, involved with CPS.
0: Sure. Um, So, uh, back in 2007, I allowed my cousin to come live with me and his kids and his wife, and the mother was very much abusive. I allowed them into my home. The mother was abusing both kids. Um, uh, The little girl, she ricocheted her head off the faucet, broke my bathroom uh, spout, uh the little boy she slammed into the wall, bloodied his face all over the wall. Um just multiple incidents. It wasn't only traumatizing to me, it was traumatizing to on uh, my mine and my girlfriend's personal kids. So I became very defensive over the kids. I became very protective. Um uh so after uh after about I'd say about eight months of just this constant trauma and everything I woke up one morning to Austin screaming that's my, he's now 12, he was four four at the time. And um, him screaming, Uncle Ryan, Daddy, Uncle Ryan, Daddy, and that's what he called me, his Uncle Ryan, Daddy. And I got up, and I'm like, what's wrong, Austin? And he's like, I'm hurt, I'm hurt, and he had blood on his face. And I was like, Austin, who did this? And he goes, my mommy says, my daddy did it. And I said, Austin, who did this? And he kept insisting his mom and said his daddy did it. So I, I pulled the mom to the side. I was really hostile, really upset, really I mean beat the living crap out of this lady. And so uh she kept telling me, No, Boone did it and my Boone is my cousin and he was out he went to work, he left my house about six thirty. The kids were up about I say about seven thirty eight when he started screaming. And, um, so I went after her and she called the police and reported that my cousin injured him. She, my, my cousin didn't injure him. She injured him. So they go and they arrest my cousin and it wasn't nice. And my cousin got arrested over it. And he's now a felon for felony child abuse. And we get CPS involved. Well, she's in our home, you know, CPS, I figured, you know, she's CPS is kind of a safeguard. I really didn't like him being in my home because I have children myself, but I let it happen to keep the kids in the home. CPS told us to get restraining order. We got a restraining order against dad. They they didn't properly. The police nor the police nor CPS properly investigated who was abusing these kids. So about um, I would say about maybe a month because the mom was failing. wasn't even here. I was had the kids to myself. They'd, not, they'd been without medical care, without all kinds of things for a long time. And I went to the courthouse and I filed for guardianship of them. And the judge granted it because she called my cousin in jail and asked my cousin, do you want your cousin to have guardianship of your kids? And he said, yeah. And the mom also agreed to it because I, she came over to our house and we had a court hearing. And I said, you're going to this court hearing because I can't do nothing with these kids. I've got to get them in school. I've got to get them medical. I've got to, you know, get them, you know, evals to get, make sure they're in getting what they need. And she went to court and she signed off on the guardianship. So we're going through, you know, we're doing fine She just steps out. In fact, Lindsay Galvin came over for a visit one time and asked me if the mother, one birth, was here. And I said, no, she's not here. I have guardianship of the kid. And she's the one who told me to file for adoption of the kid.
1: The so, CPS worker
0: did. Yes, the CPS worker did. So I got a hold of a. Uh, I guess she's kind of like an advocate. She helped you for the court things and stuff like that. And we paid paid her to help us get all the adoption paperwork filled out, and you know find help us find a um, a uh, home study place. Is that what it's called? So they could come in and study our homes, so that we could get that, so we could submit it to the court, so we could go through with the adoption.
1: Yeah, home study. No problem. I,
0: yeah, yeah I, wanted to keep, I wanted to keep the kids safe. So you know, once I got the guardianship, I went down. I got uh, Medicaid for the kids, so that it would help out with you know, they had massive dental work. They had the little girl needed glasses. Um, they had not been up, kept up to date with their shots. They had you know, the little girl wasn't in school yet. Well, she's supposed to be in school, but she wasn't. So, um, we, so at that point, I, the little girl started producing some strange behavior and I call it dry humping, dry humping my, my Austin. So I talked to my girlfriend and said, what do we need to do? Because I know that, you know, we need to help these kids. And my girlfriend goes, they are your family and you love them dearly like they're your own kids. So let's give them some counseling. She goes, when you go, you need to tell the counselor what's going on. So I go in to the counselor. I tell the counselor what happened at the house and what Sian had told my girlfriend and myself. She reported to CPS. Next thing I know, I'm getting a phone call by a Mesa, Arizona detective asking me to bring the kids in for questioning. Well, I was very hesitant to do it. And um, mainly from prior experience. And so my girlfriend goes, no, it'll be fine. They'll give the kids back to you because you're not the one that's abusing them, blah, blah, blah. She convinces me to go. And my gut was telling me not to go. Make them get a warrant. But my girlfriend was saying, no, just do it because you want to look like you're cooperating. So I went and did it, and they served me that day with it. They said that I was abusing and neglecting the kids on the paperwork, but their true concerns, once we got to the TPRN in the meeting, was supposedly that I was manipulating and coercing the children.
1: How long had they been so, in your, wait, how long had they been in your care at that point?
0: Um, both kids had been off and on in my care for, well, Cheyenne for six years off and on, and Austin for four years off and on in my care.
1: That, that. How long did this occur after the uh, guardianship was granted?
0: About three months. Got it. But this, but Lindsey Galvin knew I had guardianship of these kids. They knew she knew I was getting medical for them. She knew all these things. So we went to the TPRN because I'd already filed for the first second the first part of the adoption of them. Because you know I personally am not getting someone that uh, someone that's abusing children. This is my family. I don't want to bury them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So so we go like I said. We went to that TPRN. TPR. And, and they, they, you know, Brian, they, oh my God, I have documentation of how, how wonderful I am for these kids. You know, I'm getting to school, I'm doing the medical, I'm, you know, they have YMCA membership, they're, they Austin's getting ready to go to developmental preschool because he was diagnosed with Asperger's, I got that done. You know, Cheyenne had her glasses, um, you know, she was going to school constantly, she was clean, she was well kept, she was fed, she was healthy, she was, all these wonderful things about
1: me. So you were picking and up the pieces pretty much, right?
0: Pretty much. I was get, we, were, we were giving them the stability that they had never had.
1: I commend now, you on that. Point,
0: point. They, they, had been my, they had been in our home for about a year and a half, that's including with the guardianship and before the guardianship. So, they were very familiar. The kids knew the routine in our house. They knew, they knew what they had to do. They all had little chores they had to do. Austin, I was homeschooling and getting kind of because he was a little slow. So, um, so, you know, that was like a major, like, oh, well, you know, we're going to get the kids back because they're praising me, right?
1: What do you mean get them yeah. back? Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Slow down. What do you mean get them okay. back? At this uh, point... And they're in
0: CPS custody at this point. The CPS workers walk in there. They're saying, you know, oh, no, he's excellent with the kids. We've seen him in Iraq,
1: blah, 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 and the TPR in, and, uh, or the TPR, and Ryan, I, uh, Ryan, hold on a second. There's uh, something, th- th- we're missing a part here. You're saying the kids okay. were in your care for a year and a half, and that the guardianship was granted for three months, and then... Yeah, prior to them pulling them. Okay, so... You then, the counselor uh, files a CPS report, you, you're you called in by the Mesa detective, and you're served papers for abuse, uh, which is not supported by the evidence of the home study, and then how, on what grounds did they remove the children, and how quickly after guardianship was granted did that happen? Uh,
0: three months exactly after the guardianship was granted, and... um. What was the other question? Uh,
1: the, the grounds, I guess, is abuse.
0: They said that, they, yeah, abuse and neg- I, was, I was being neglectful.
1: You're that's kidding. That's
0: not what they said in the, t- yeah, that's what they said. But that's not what's in the TPRN. Uh, so, we're, so we're in the meeting. They called the dad who's sitting in jail on the TPRN. And the dad, they, they said, you know, your cousin has your kids. And he's like, yeah, put them back. He doesn't hurt them. He loves them as if they were his own children. You don't know what you're doing by taking these kids from them. Put them back. They're fine. I'm not going near the house. I'm not bothering them. Put my children back. This is the biological father that's screaming, put his kids back. And the mother says the same thing. Put them back. It's not hurting them. So... Um, right in that meeting with my cousin even on the phone, sitting in jail, and the mother, and we had two witnesses. My my girlfriend's friends were there, and those two witnesses heard the CPS worker threatened me that if I didn't give up my guardianship to CPS, that they were going to take my children. No. Yes. I have written statements that are notarized by these people that they witnessed this.
1: Well, unfortunately, from my experience uh affidavits don't mean shit in family court, mm-hmm. which is total bullshit uh this is horrible i'm I'm so sorry, but carry on so uh so we go to the first court hearing, and i I
0: don't remember the judge's name like I can look it up though. The judge was super nice. It was a female judge. And we walked in there and the judge goes, you haven't had CPS cases in many years. You know, you've been involved with these kids that can see in the records for all their lives. And she looks at CPS and she goes, what's the allegations? And they're all abuse and neglect. And she goes, no. Do you have any evidence of Ryan abusing them? They're like, no. And she goes, from what the report I'm reading here, you guys all say he's good for these kids. Why do we have them? That was the judge's statement. So they got their butts ringed. They, they were allowed to keep them for one more month. That's all the judge gave them is one month to keep these kids. And they got their butts ringed in the courtroom by the judge. And we walked out and we're standing there with my attorney at the time, my wife and two other people that were there that, you know, my, my girlfriend's friends. And they turned around, and walked right up to me. Lindsay Galvin and the other investigative worker, I don't remember the other investigative worker's name, but Lindsay Galvin walks right up to me and goes, I'm coming for your fucking kids. <gasps> okay. So the judge orders visitations for us every day of the week for instance,
1: Did you um, think to, I'm sorry, did you think to walk back in to the court and explain to the judge what happened and ask for a restraining order against CPS? For threats?
0: Well, I asked my attorney that was standing there, and he like, he's like, well, if they come after your son, you know, you have all these witnesses that said it, and the judge isn't going to put up with that. So I thought, I didn't... I was taking the advice of my attorney. So I didn't think anything about it, and because, you know, my attorney said, you know, just get everybody to write out their notarized statements about this, and we'll be good. So we're going a lot... You know, we're going at probably about... I would say three visits in. At that point, I I've homeschooled my children off and I, my son, Josh, is his name, and uh, I've homeschooled him off and on all his life because of his disabilities. Okay. And the school not wanting to accommodate him, so I went and pulled after that threat. That became a very vital threat for me, especially. You know, you're threatening to take my children. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And so. And so I went and pulled him out of school, and I got all the home. Me and my uh, girlfriend went out and got all the homeschooling books so I could start teaching him at home. Because I, you threatened me. Now I'm scared. You know what I'm saying? So I met a visit with Cheyenne and Austin. He's, he's 15 years old. I left him at the house. I told him, to lock all the doors. And no matter what, don't answer the door because this is a threat on my family. Yep. Josh is very well aware that. CPS workers in our family, so I'm at to visit. And the the uh, the, actually, I should go back. So the first visit I go to Austin. Austin comes in with his uh, with the foster family. Austin comes running through the through uh, everybody, everybody in in the in the waiting room at CPS was in total tears. He comes running through the door, and the foster family's trying to catch up with him. And he just bails into my arms and he goes, Uncle Ryan, Daddy, I love you. I miss you. Can I come home? I will never forget that day Because I had the love of the face. I told him, I'm going to get you home soon. At the time, I believed I could get him home. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And he's oh, please bring me home, please. And I said, aren't oh, these nice people? Look, his foster family it was very nice. And, um, the, uh, the CPS worker, because the foster family brought up their concerns, this kid is attacked to me. It doesn't look like I've ever abused him. At all. I never have. And so the, the CPS, you know, CPS worker and the foster family are now in an argument in the waiting room because this kid did that. So now i got another thing against me because now I'm pissing off CPS by what the foster family sees. You see what's going on here? This is kooky. It,
1: just, it was horrible. Um, and and so hold it, on. Just, and hold on. So these visits are happening over the one month that the judge allowed them to uh, continue to have them. So as that 30 days is ticking after the court uh, date, uh, you're getting visits with the kids every week. Correct.
0: Well, actually, we're supposed to be getting
1: them every day. Okay
0: five days a week we were supposed to get
1: visitations. did Did you get yeah, all of your good. visits
0: um I got the I got the first two weeks of them and then I'll get into that Anyway, so every time he would go I'd go in for visits every day Austin would come barreling into my arms every time begging me to come home he didn't like his foster family but he, he wanted to come home and Cheyenne uh, towards I think probably the visit that I went in on Son was like, I wanna come home and she said it right in front of the super the you know, the, the person that uh, supervises the visit. So on the I on the tenth visit that I had with the kids, on their I'm in the visit and the um, uh person that supervises the visit comes in and goes, Where's your son? I'm with friends and she's like "Lily, really? well can you tell us where he is and I'm like no and the next thing I know I'm getting a phone call so I get the phone call and that the person is supervising the visit because well who's that I'm like oh it's just a friend letting, talking to me about my son and she goes well I said then I need to step outside so I stepped outside and I came back in and I said I need to go my cousin needs me you know the day there's an emergency I need to go so in the process of this phone call, my son tells me that there's a SWAT team outside and, and three social workers outside my house. Jesus and, Christ. Uh, I, and, and he's hiding under his bed. This is a 15-year-old kid, scared to death, hiding under his bed. So I told John and to <coughs> stuff. Excuse me.
1: And, so and hold on. Excuse me. So hold on. I, I, let's just clarify a couple things. At this point, Fifteen-year-old Austin is home. He's being homeschooled. No, not
0: Austin. Not Austin.
1: Josh is my 15 Uh, Josh. Okay, I got it. Okay, that's what I wanted to clarify. And were you paying for these visits? No. They tried
0: to charge me child support,
1: though. Okay.
0: That didn't work out too well in their favor.
1: Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: It's okay. So uh, Josh, like I said, Josh is on the phone he's telling me what's going on. So I told him to get backpacking, backpack and packing some clothes. And I told him how to get my teammates for certain areas so that he's lifting mm-hmm. And so he gathered up everything I told him to, including I told him to get socks, underwear, shoes, jacket, long lawn sleepers. I don't know where we're going, but we'll uh, get this stuff. So I get here, I get, and I just drove by the street and we had my whole house around it except for in the yard, they were outside in the street. And there was a SWAT team, and there was freaking people galore out there. So I decided to go to the apartments behind my house, because there's a brick wall, and I pull in there, and I I I kept watching to see where the CPS uh, and the police were, and I finally got a break, and I both jumped the fence. And I came in, I have a door in the very back, you can't see it, and I came in, and I got everything gathered up that we needed, and. I put my son ride right when we got breaks. I threw him over and all his belongings, and we went on the run for four months. So in the meantime, my cousins get put in the because, you know, I'm and I not only happy to deal with them, but I'm dealing with them trying to con- take my biological
1: child away from me. Okay, so hold on. So, okay, so at this point, you're halfway through the 30 days visiting uh, Austin and Cheyenne, And then you get pulled away from the visit. Uh, You only had a couple weeks left before CPS was going to have to uh, return the children. And uh, Josh is not involved in this case whatsoever. And the supervised visitor inquired where your son was. And then shortly after, uh, you get a call from Josh about the SWAT team at your house. Now, Correct. here's the thing. Uh, you had to go on the run for four months. Obviously, yes, obviously that affected um, the getting the kids back, because you would have only had to wait for two weeks longer. Correct. So you go on the run. How did that affect you getting custody of the, the kids? Well,
0: they, they knew that the mother was not capable of making legal decisions. And they went ahead and had the mother sever my guardianship. She didn't want to. they done it by force.
1: Wait, wait. They they leveraged the biological mother to sever the guardianship? Yep. Wow. The
0: biological mother didn't want to. She wanted to leave the kids with me. I have I have written a statement from her, statement just where she wanted the kids to
1: be. You, you know what? Now, this right here is the abuse of power and manipulation that we try to focus on this is the the complete power mongering and abusive power that these people display to gain control over these kids and divide families in order to get them into care Um, and i would be interested in knowing two things one what were the grounds that justified a SWAT team to show up at your house? And two, how did the judge respond to this social worker bringing SWAT into your house? Because, I mean, you have to, you have to make up a pretty damn big story to justify the expense of the local police department dispersing a SWAT team. Okay, right uh, now, mind
0: you, I'm sending you a visit, right? When this all started to happen, when this all escalated like this is, I'm setting in a visit. Well, I I also call, called when I start I hit the road with my son because now I have to run with my own biological child because I'm worried for his safety. Um, I contact my attorney. I tell my attorney what's going on. Let me do some digging. So you know, about three days later, calls me up and he said they're thre- They're saying you threatened to kill your kid.
1: Who 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 called like, you and said that? my attorney did what okay here we go now they try to leverage you by saying you are a danger to the children this is so consistent across the board and that's what we're doing anybody who's listening pay attention to these stories you're going to start to see the method of operation start to reveal itself go ahead ryan so you know like i said we
0: hit the road I went all the way to Florida. We have, My wife has family in Florida, and I went all the way to Florida. I, it only took me exactly 30, 32 hours to make Florida. No less than that. I was gone. You are not touching my baby. You know, I, they already have two of my babies in custody, and I, I'm, I'm going to be very clear with the, the audience that, you know, I'm, I'm the one who is gar- protecting these kids. It, this has been an awful battle you know i'm not you know the trauma of the mother abusing them and me happening to jump in you know now she gets is abusing them and, and the, now coming at the
1: and the most heartbreaking thing about this is that those kids coming from a biological mother like that and then going into your care where they were feeling nurtured and their medical needs were being addressed and, you know, they were getting glasses and, you know, their teeth are getting and, and, and you know, this for a human being makes them feel better. It boosts confidence. And those children bonded with you because they felt nurtured and they formed a psychological bond with you. And... This is so tyrannical, what they've done, and, and that this is such an abuse of power that's so damaging to these children. So, okay, so... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's
0: very, it's very damaging. Not only has it damaged them, but it damaged me. You know, I'm a high-functioning autistic person, but I have ter- I have a therapist that, in fact, I would like to read you. Uh, statements that th- my personal therapist that I was with for eight years and, my, and a uh, case manager that I would have been around for eight years that has known me for a long period w- said about me, and they wrote these to the courts. And, uh, you know, it's very, for me, you know, um, this is who I am, and the statements I'm going to read you from them is exactly who I am. Um, it says... What what do professionals say about Ryan's ability to parent? Donnette, the MD two four oh nine. Ryan is a very competent. Uh, is very competent as a parent to take care of the needs of the, the children in his custody. Susan G. Rivers, and this is a therapist that i have been with for about eight years at this point. Ryan, uh, Ryan. Is a high functioning, creative, intelligent, caring individual. He has made steady progress in therapy. As with many of my clients, Ryan suffers from PTSD as a result of his childhood experiences. In my opinion, Ryan has demonstrated, demonstrated, I a mean, consistent, loving, attentive, nurturing parenting skills, not only to the, his children, but to these children, Cheyenne and Austin who have been without these vital components for such a long time. In my presence, the children have been extremely responsive to him, and there is a mutual bonding between both children with him, but even more so with Austin. I believe Ryan to be a capable, consistent parent who actively protects his children and his young cousins, Austin and Cheyenne.
1: So thinks, I have a question. She she just ignores
0: it. Where and they
1: just ignore it? When they okay? So Austin has Asperger's, which is yeah. which is you know. If for anybody that doesn't understand autism, it's a spectrum. It's a it's individual to each person. Uh, you you will not find two people alike. That's why they call it a spectrum. Uh, so, however, you having high-functioning autism would have been the perfect provider for that child, and did they take into consideration when they placed him? Is he with someone who's uh, competent as far as providing for a child with autism?
0: No, the foster family had no clue how to deal with it, and I I actually sat in the waiting room at CPS's office and explained to him how to care for him and how to be very clear, clear with him because... Adding autism, and I'm on a high, high high, spectrum part of it, is when people talk to a, uh, uh, to an autistic person of high function, you have to be clear, and sometimes you have to dummy it down, so we did it. And Austin was struggling because he wasn't getting the consistency of someone being very clear-cut. Like when he would act out, I would go in, and I would just wrap my arms around him and hold him real tight. And I would walk him, and I would, I would sit there and just cry with him. Let him cry, and I would cry with him because my heart was hurting for him. You know what I'm saying? And I wanted them to know that somebody was there for him.
1: Oh, yeah, and, but in and, the visitation atmosphere or around CPS, they use the grief that families are experiencing from this assault on their family and the separation, and the they literally... What people are experiencing is the psychological bond between caregiver and parent being shattered. And the sad fucking thing is that half the time, no, what am I saying? The majority of the time, they use this as a way of saying that the visits are unhealthy to the child. You'll
0: like, you're like this one. So, you, and in MESC, and I've looked over a lot of CPS cases over the eight years, and in mesh is so loosely used with CPS. They said that me and all my children were in MESC.
1: I know this we term, well. Alike.
0: We talk We, we talk alike. We, we we walk alike. We Everything we do, if you look at the boys in my family, we're
1: all alike now. Wait a minute, did we they, they say? Did yeah. they, did they, did CPS say you were too enmeshed? Yes, yeah. yeah, because my 15 year old son who has Asperger's.
0: Okay, let me go, let me back, let me go forwards a little bit. So we're
1: up. But hold on, hold on, let's I'm break wondering. this down because okay. again, this is about giving the audience the ability to see the correlation of how they sever families. Okay, is okay. Too enmeshed is a lead-in to the vast amount of Munchausen by proxy uh, or narcissistic personality traits that the courts are fabricating in order to make a parent or render a parent a danger and rule out a positive role model and good caretaker to children and The reason I'm pointing this out before we get too far along is that your attorney did get a call from CPS saying that you were trying to harm the children. So there's the correlation, guys. But hold on. Again, before we get any further, I really do want to go back and uh, have you talk about what was the judge's... Uh, response to them sending out a SWAT team when he clearly told these people, "This, th- you don't have any evidence. Return these children. You have 30 days." And two weeks later, they have a SWAT team on your door for a child that's not involved in their in this case.
0: What they well, what they ended up pulling in the process of all that is getting my my uh, 80 cousins' mom to get rid of my guardianship. So after that, I got my I, I was dismissed as a party. Even though the mother was not mentally capable of making these decisions, and it was proven through psychological evals and all kinds of other stuff. In fact, the state of Delaware made her go under a full hysterectomy so she couldn't have any
1: children. Okay, but again, did you ever find out what the judge said about this event?
0: No, I tried to get the transcripts from the court case up to the point where I was. And they sealed them up, so I couldn't even get access up to
1: that point. There you go again. Because they ruled you out, they, um, they uh, dismissed you as a party so you could no longer have access to the records to find out anything, and there you go, ladies and gentlemen. A person who is fighting for children, loving these children, who the children want to be with, who the children feel safe with, has now been ruled out out of the picture, pushed out I was of the picture. Forced out. You were forced out. I was now, forced out under,
0: under threat and
1: intimidation. Absolutely. Now here's the thing, because we want to move this story along. Okay, so now you're out of the picture, and let's go to the point where you are on the run for four months. Clearly, you're probably having anxiety because you know that you know as soon as you got on the road, you in two weeks. I'm sure you didn't mean to be on the road for four months. I'm sure you wanted to be right back as soon as that 30-day mark hit. Go home, get the kids, and move on with your life, right? I did. Okay, so did. so let's...
0: And me and my son struggled. Both of us struggled for four months.
1: Okay, so now let's flash forward to the end of the four months. After you were in hiding, okay. what, what event led to you making the decision to no longer be on the run? Um, I was
0: missing my family. I missed my wife, I missed my stepkids, I missed missed my nieces, I missed my nephews, I missed my family, I I really did, and and it was very hard, you know, because for four months you're on the run because you're so afraid they're going to hurt your child, And, and, you know, CPS has a notorious thing of hurting children, and, uh, I, I was. I wanted to come home. I needed to be with my family. I needed to be with my support system. I needed to be with the people that love me. My son needed it too. We needed stability again because you know you're bouncing from state to state, house to couch, you know, hotel to hotel, truck stop to truck stop, rest stop to rest stop for four months. That's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. That you know, it's it's very hard to do that. And then you watch your son. You know. Because he knows what's going on. He's not, he's not stupid. He's 15 years old. And, you know, he, and, he, and he's crying because, you know, his cousins are gone. And you got to try to stay strong for your kids because your kids are struggling. And it, it, I really needed to go home to my family.
1: So, okay. And he so, so, you get home. Is there any re- repercussions or harassment that began uh, from... Basically, the SWAT team or those three CPS workers or this, this asshole, Lindsay, that started all this... Lindsay Galvin? Yeah, who started all this mess and basically destroyed these children on just what what seemed she got a to
0: be promotion just... Over it. She's actually a main supervisor, the main, uh, the main the, uh, head supervisor. She got a promotion over all of
1: this. And again the CPS workers are getting bonuses and promotions based on how many kids they take into care. And if you're following this podcast, you know that we just did an interview with a woman yesterday that referenced a book and we're going to be reaching out to that author and we're going to be getting him to come on and talk about this experience. And that is from a Former CPS workers. So that is that book is written by an insider, ladies and gentlemen. This is not from parents. This is not hypotheticals. There are very courageous people in CPS that are trying to break the stories of how this uh, organization is running and how it's not acting in the best interest of the families and actually how they are trained with these methods of operation to sever families and destroy the psychological bond between parent caregiver and child because that conditions the child to stop wanting to come home to stop asking to lose hope and that is a assault on the human basic human rights of a child now let's let's just focus here so a couple things uh no you don't you still don't have any transcripts and you still don't know what the judge's response was. Right. And right. let's go back. Cause I'm very curious about whether or not they came at you when they found out you returned home. I'm curious if they came at you again with SWAT team. Did they come back after Josh? What happened when you returned home? Uh, okay.
0: So we get home and my, I had a 16 year old stepdaughter at the time. And my 16-year-old stepdaughter was having an 18-year-old guy sleep in my house. And they were doing the nasties in my house. So I went and put, I know the window shut. I won't lie to you. I know the window shut. So and I put the deadbolts on my locks because she was was sneaking in and out of the house. You know, this is a 16-year-old kid. And she knew that, you know, everything that we had just gone through, she knew. And so she just kept pushing the bar, pushing the bar, pushing the bar. and, And so I grew up one day. I blew up on her. I didn't hit her or anything. I just blew up and yelled at her. So she went to school, and her boyfriend and her... She told her boyfriend that CPS said, I threatened to kill everybody in the house. And that was was a long time ago. And so he went to the school counselor and told him I threatened to kill everybody in the house, which I did not. So once again, we had CPS, and CPS already knew not to show up at my house. So the detective calls my my girlfriend and my girlfriend called me and she hasn't called a detective and the detective said he just wants to talk to Josh and means that Josh can stay home, blah, blah, blah. I was coerced by the detective at the time and he came to the house and I said, you can talk to him here and he goes, well, my supervisor says I can't do that. I got to take him in and, you know, because you got to be it. And I said, no, you can talk to him here. And my girlfriend said, just let him go, just let him go. And, I'm, and my guest telling me no but my girlfriend's all like, it'll be okay, and he agreed to let my girlfriend go with. Well, they get to the, the build, they get to halfway to the building for the interview, and they dump my girlfriend out on the side of the road. What? Five miles away from, yeah, they dumped her out on the side of the road. So they're taking custody of him, <gasps> and uh, she can find her own way home.
1: Oh... My, I'm sorry, I'm in shock. No court proceeding. The but wait, no court proceeding, no, nope. no trial, they, nothing.
0: They they then served me with temporary custody orders on
1: Josh. Wait a minute, but after they took him. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, that is an abduction. That is an abduction. By a Mesa Police Department detective. Are you fucking kidding me?
0: No, I'm telling you the truth. My my girlfriend, if you want, you can do an interview with her on another day, but she'll tell you the same thing. They took her with for the interview because I didn't want to let him go by himself. I was scared for him, you know, because we just got done from being on the line. I was very scared.
1: How long after, wait, hold on, let's slow down. You got to let me talk a little. Okay, I know, you know, it's a stressful situation. Here's the thing. They take him. No, they abducted him. They abducted
0: him. They kidnapped my child. They
1: kidnapped my child. they, They took him. How long after they took him did they serve you paperwork to say he was in custody?
0: About 20 minutes later.
1: Oh, so okay, the, oh wait, 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 I wait, oh wait, like wait. That. so this is a premeditated plan under the guise of lies to where they l- coerced you into allowing the child to go. This goes so fucking layers deep. This is ridiculous. Yeah, that's exactly what they did. Well, I I have to tell you, uh, coercion. That's a crime anything th-
0: the, the cop the cop pulled his gun on me too
1: when did he pull the gun on you
0: um when i tried to go out when he served me with the paperwork and i tried to go out and then he tried to slam me in handcuffs and i backed back up from my yard and told him to get a fucking warrant my cousin was here at the house and my cousin stepped out and he goes you know that it's against the law to do what you're doing
1: wait a minute hold on let's and break I- slow down let's break this down because we know you know the story But we got to break it down for everybody who's never heard this before. Okay, so your your girlfriend and your son, Josh, are in a vehicle and there you think he's going for just a basic interview and girlfriend is with him and everything's fine. Twenty minutes later, after they're gone, you get served paper. But that's by another Mesa Police Department.
0: No, that's by the same officer. Uh, the same
1: officers. So wait a minute, I'm confused. If he's on the road heading towards the station to interview him, hey,
0: his him and his partner came out and they had two different cars and he loaded him up and loaded my son and my girlfriend up in her car, his partner's car. And next thing I know, I it was just me and him at the gate and somebody walks up so another squad car pulls up and I knew, I knew once they had that envelope that they were taking my
1: kid. That's what I was trying to get out of you. That's what I was trying to focus on. So, two cop cars showed up. Josh and your girlfriend went with one and another one stayed or they both left and one returned? No, no. But
0: one of them stayed.
1: Okay, so the other one stayed and they wait 20 minutes, which is Clearly, giving the other guy time to get Josh down the road, and he he serves you the paperwork. At what point did you have a firearm pulled on you?
0: Um, right after they served it, because I tried to go out the gate with my keys to get in my vehicle to go after my kid, because that wasn't a warrant, that wasn't legal. You can't take, you can't, you can't take my child without a warrant. And I kept telling him that. He's all, "You'll have your day in court." That's what the detective said. And when I went to go out the gate, he grabbed me, and he tried to show me in handcuffs in, uh, at my house. We have a gate. And I, turned, I quickly turned around, and I slammed his arm in the gate, and I said, get a fucking warrant to arrest me. Did,
1: did, he, did he, and I don't even have to ask, he just tried to put cuffs on you, not Mirandize you, right?
0: Nope, nothing. He, well, then I come to find out from him,
1: that he is first taking in for psychological invalid per CPS. There we go. There we go, people. Okay, CPS, Department of Social Services, is abusing the uh, profession of psychology, and you need to know that they are in control of which psychologists they are picking and we are going to be showing you how these psychologists are receiving a fuck load of money as independent government contractors with the court this is basically i'm sorry it's designed like a legal orga- organized crime unit designed to get these children at all cost and families are not standing a chance against this organization and that is all we're trying to do again ryan and i are just talking under the first amendment we're just breaking this down we're just two people talking and this is all opinion and you don't have to agree with us and again anybody involved in this case, we believe in fair and balanced journalism. Please go to the Justice us site. Send me an email. I am happy to talk to you. I encourage it. I want to talk to you. I want everybody to reach out because, you know, you're part of this story. You're the other side of it. And we want your side heard too. But clearly what is happening is illegal. It's coercion. It's actually a RICO Act violation. It's Uh, abduction and at the hands of our paid servants and this your tax dollars is funding this so that's what we need to have people understand your tax dollars are paying for families to be harassed and become broken people and children being literally kidnapped correct okay so, let's move the story along. So clearly, Josh is gone. When's the first time you see him after they take him? How much time goes Six by? Months. Six months. Did they did they move him? Mo- did they move him more than a, a hundred miles away or outside of the county when they took him?
0: They, mo- they no, they, he was still in the same county, but they moved him clean across. The, uh, he was in Peoria, and I was in Mesa.
1: Okay. So, they moved six months to m- another city, okay. So, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Okay, so, real quick, did was there any legal proceedings over those six months, or did was it a solid six months that went by yeah. that you didn't see your kid? You
0: no, know, we had we, we had a CPR over the phone. CPS told the judge they feared for their safety because I called the CPS worker up and told her you fucked up. That's exactly what I said to the CPS worker because this is my child, you know. You're, not only did you fuck up once, but now you fucked up twice, and actually three times in the you know in, in, in a year, less than a year, you
1: fucked up three different times. But wait a minute, okay, listen. To, but again, I just want people to listen. You are clearly hearing what this really is. Let's just call a spade a spade. The people who kidnapped Josh. Are saying that the parent is a danger? What the yes, hell? Exactly.
0: They said I was. They said I was a danger to him. But in the interview, in his uh, police interview, and in the CPS
1: interview, wait, wait, wait wait, 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 Hold I on. That interview. Hold on. You're a danger, but two cops showing up and leading a child to believe that he's going to be coming home. You think he would? That child knew he was kidnapped. Yep, he knew. He kept telling
0: him he wanted, he wanted to go home the whole time.
1: Okay, I'm sorry. i I, I know that we're just all over the place. So let's try to reel it in because I'm in, just in shock right so, now.
0: So, so let me let me go to what you know that what TPS said about Josh in your report. And this is police too that made sure that CPS put it in there, right? Uh, It says, does Josh Josh accuse Ryan of abuse? All statements by Josh refute that he feared Ryan or has been abused by him anyway. One statement was made by Joshua while living in, in grandmother's house. Joshua feared telling what was happening because she would get in trouble. Since the grandmother and boyfriend were the abusers, it is more likely that Joshua feared them and not Ryan.
1: Complete manipulation. Now, here's the funny thing, Ryan, okay? You know, we're getting ready to do an uh, the next podcast uh, is with a young girl that's been raped and pretty much being held hostage and sequestered away from social justice advocates, um, anybody that can help this girl. And she has been for eight months no, excuse me, a year begging the, the CPS to get her help to investigate this crime. And it wasn't until they knew a, a JSU stepped in that they actually sent a detective out a year later after the forensic evidence is gone to pretty much go through the steps and, you know, yeah, we're let's go talk to the girl. Let's document we did something finally. But they are saying that She's recanted that she's not um, telling the truth, uh, that, you know, they try to label her with a, some kind of bullshit, psychological something other. And, but yet over here, you have a child who has been kidnapped, and now they're showing that you're a danger. That's, that's just crazy. It pretty much they're allowed to do whatever they want to do. Whatever serves their needs, whatever continues to give them control over that child. Okay, so Where? let's move back to Josh. Okay, so is Josh in your care now? Well, Josh uh, is 22 he's 20. now. He's 23. Okay, so Josh is, 20. at home. Josh is 23 now. Did he age out? Did they keep him for the whole time until he was 18?
0: No, they returned him six months before he turned eighteen.
1: And how did you get him back?
0: I fought my, I fought every day, every day, every breath that I had. I fought for him. I wasn't backing down.
1: Okay. Now, At
0: CPS News, They they kept calling me every day. The the, the CPS worker that was on my case, her name's Gayle, was Olson She kept calling me every day, threatening to sever my rights to him.
1: Of a kidnapped child.
0: That's emotional terrorism. Yeah, over gosh. I never did did anything to any of these kids. And yet I'm being treated like I'm a freaking terrorist or something. Ryan,
1: Ryan, listen to me. I encourage everybody right now as you're listening to this, pull out your phone and Google the U.S. Patriot Act. Kidnapping is a violation of the U.S. Patriot Act and its 25-year sentence. It's a federal crime. and I, You know,
0: I, I, I thought that I lived in the United States. I thought I was free. I thought my children were safe. I thought that, you know, that they had to give me warrants to do anything. I didn't know that they could just capture your children and, you know, abduct, abduct them and then put them in prison. They not tried of a crime. And they put him in prison. They put my 23 year old son in a group home where he was abused. I had a report where I called the police and the CPS. CPS did the investigation on the group home. The group home. All ten kids in the group home said they were being abused. They were putting. They were placing bets on the kids. Money bets on the kids. And the kid that lost got restrained and beat up, uh, and beat up even more
1: now wait a minute they were placing bets on what because the kids were fighting and they were betting on who would win yep so okay yep. I, I i here's the thing so at what age did he get assaulted after they kidnapped him and put him in the foster prison the group the home
0: very first, the very first time i didn't him after six months i had to face-to-face visit with him he had bite marks and bruises all over him and i said josh what happened to you I was shocked. This is my baby. You know what I'm saying? This is my baby, and, and he he never looked like that in my care. He never looked like that in my care. <laughs> oh my
2: <goodness. laughs> And I flipped out because it was with the couch life Flipped out because when he told me that they were making him fight and putting bets on the kids like they were fucking d- animals.
1: Jesus Christ.
2: They're not animals, they're children! And I felt so bad that I couldn't protect him at all. I can't protect any of this. And CPS was out against me too, then I called the cops and CPS on CPS. I didn't do anything and my baby gets hurt in their custody and I have a report. The counselor
0: said I was mean, emotionally unstable when I when I thought out that they my
1: son was being abused in his home. Well, no fucking shit. Your child was kidnapped. The other ones have been constructively stolen from you, <laughs> and you know what? You have you have every goddamn right to be angry, broken, pissed. And exactly what you are. And there is not a goddamn thing wrong with that. Because just because they're heartless sons of bitches with no regard for human life doesn't mean you have to be that way.
0: The CPS worker kept telling me that my son was lying to me. My son didn't lie about that stuff. He would not lie
1: about that. That's what they do. Any child who's old enough. To witness or document or report, they they don't want that out. And the problem is, people, if you are listening, there's nowhere for these families to go. Are you listening? The police are helping. There's a serious problem in our society, and I'm begging, begging the UN to step in and conduct an investigation of human rights violations against these families who are being domestically terrorized by a broken system. I'm begging you to assist these families. I'm begging people to literally go to our GoFundMe. These families have been financially broken. These cases are being dragged out. These families need therapy, they need legal defense funds, and that's what we are trying to do. This documentary, this podcast is our efforts to raise funding to assist these families, to reunify them, to assist them in becoming whole people, to overcome this crime-based trauma. These individuals need to be held accountable. This is not okay. And I'm perfectly okay to be the person to sit there and put this on a podcast and say, you're not going to get away with this anymore. You do not have the right. You are paid from our tax dollars. Our taxpayers will no longer fund your kidnapping and abuse of children. This story is horrific. So, So you get Josh back, okay?
0: Well, no, there's more to it. There's more to what was going on in the group home.
1: There's more.
0: So my son, oh, there's more. My son ended up with a broken arm in the group home. My my son uh, while I was on, um, I I got phone calls with my son, unsupervised phone calls. And there was one call that I called in, and there I heard a little boy screaming in the background. Get off me! Get off me! You're hurting me! You're hurting me! And and I'm bleeding! I'm bleeding! and the group pump staff member who just kick his head into the tile floor. My son told me that on the phone. And I said, I told Josh, I, 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 I asked Josh, I said, Josh, do they do this a lot, you know? And he goes, all the time. And then he's on the phone with me and they're screaming and yelling at them. And I said, oh, hell no to my son. I said, you put whoever's screaming at you on that phone. So they put him, put, uh, Josh put the uh, one of the group home staff members on the phone, and I said, I'm going to tell you what, you ever cuss my child out again, you ever scream out yell at my child, and I will find out where you live, and I will fucking beat your ass. <laughs> he, they, they told him that I didn't love him, that I was emotionally abusing him because I was transgendered. Oh, no, it gets it, it bad. They discriminated. The AG, the AG of the state of Arizona discriminated against me that because I was transgendered, I couldn't teach my son to be a man.
1: He didn't.
0: Yes, he did. He did it. I have a, a master's degree level therapist that will testify in a court of law. That is exactly what he pulled. Okay. My son was sitting right there in that room. The attorney that I had was right there in that room. My case manager was there. Not the CPS case manager. I had another case manager
1: because of my Asperger's. That was there. Hey, to all of our lovely transgender LGBT activist community, why don't you go ahead and give the Arizona Attorney General a call and give him a piece of your mind. We'll be posting the number on the blog post. It's time everybody speaks up.
0: They flat out told me that I couldn't be a parent because I'm transgender. Because in the meeting they deteriorated my son and this is what the turning point in my place was. I'm on a i am on I definitely on this podcast would like to give Gloria Ruffle a big shout out. She's a Christian therapist who believed in me. Without her I would never have gotten my son back. I owe her more than I I can I can give her. I owe, I feel like I owe her my life because she brought home one of my kids.
1: She's fought for me the whole way. She well, well, Glo- was just a
0: God-sent lady.
1: Gloria, if you're listening, I'd like you to contact me through the justicespeaksup.us website. I would love to hear your point of view on this because we we need more people like you. Um, definitely need more people like you. Uh, she, uh, in that meeting
0: where they discriminated against me, uh, they were referring. My son, set, minding, my son is sitting in the room, right beside me, and they kept referring him, at, referring to Josh like he was an item, like you know, like a teapot. They kept going, the child this, the child that, and I, I had enough. I had enough. Eighteen months into my case, I had enough because they cut me off from face to face visits. And so I went six months without seeing him. I saw him only a couple times in between, and then I went another long period without seeing him, almost another year. And I had had enough about them talking down to my son. I had enough of them um, just being disrespectful to him. You know, it was just complete disrespectfulness. And Mia, uh, I stood up in there and I said, "You know, the child has a name. The child is loved." The child is cared for. You are imprisoning my child. You are imprisoning my son. A gift that God gave me. Josh is a gift. I am O negative with the R factor. And I almost lost Josh. He's my only son. And I fought through my pregnancy to have him. Now I'm a mom. They can say whatever they want. I'm still a mom. God gave me this baby. He knew I could do it. And and Josh has always been a gift. And and in my heart, I know God named Josh. My son's name is Joshua Fabian. It means Jehovah saves a man of understanding. I. He's been everything I wanted in my mom. When I was carrying Josh, my mom. Want
1: me to abort him, then I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I fought through the pregnancy. I fought through having sleep apnea and almost losing him. You know what? There's this bias that is occurring in family court towards lesbian couples, homosexual couples, and, uh, transgender parents and it's wrong and here's how i feel about this if you're in this line of work you need to be focusing on what's in the best interest of children and not what happens in people's bedrooms it's none of your fucking business a person's sexual orientation or sexual preferences is private and unless the judges and court officers and CPS workers want to talk about their kinks and they need to sit down and go shut up in the quarter. That's how I feel about it. It's wrong. It shouldn't even be on the radar. And the fact that an attorney general would say that to you, well, here's what I have to say to that attorney general. Sir, you didn't think Ryan was good enough to lead, uh, be an example for uh Ryan. So, I mean, for Ryan's son. So to you, I'd have to say, I don't think you're a good example of how the law should run. Maybe you don't deserve the office you're in. And again, I'm pushing for people who are doing this to be out of office. Please leave office. You don't need to be there because you do not represent the American culture at all. We have a constitution and there are rights in there, the basic constitutional rights you are violating while taking a check from taxpayers to provide and protect our interest and you're not doing it. So again, real quick. Everybody, I will be posting the Mesa uh the Attorney General for Arizona. Give him a call. Give him piece of your mind. Let him know how you feel about this story. So let's go back to the kids, okay? Cuz we're 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 pushing over an hour here but
0: well, you I, guys, I also, we're gonna. The other thing I would like, I would like, you know, your viewers to know, because there is a gay and lesbian uh, law firm that's supposed to help when your civil rights are violated, which in my case, you can see a lot of civil rights are violated. And I reached out to them to land the legal, and even though I showed about everything I was supposed to be, crossed the T's and dotted the I's, they still did not help me. I was on my own. Who was, who's,
1: thought, who, who is that law firm?
0: Lambda Legal. What is it? Lambda Legal. The gay, lesbian, transgender legal department for civil rights violations on the LBT community.
1: Why did they not take your case?
0: I don't know. I, mean, I during my whole during all the cases that I both cases, I kept contacting them and telling them what was going on. And I was giving written statements about what was going on and that my girlfriend, you know, was going through it too. And we had witnesses to this and they still didn't help. (laughs) My constitutional rights were completely trampled on.
1: Wow. So... Here's the thing. The
0: GLBT community doesn't even help their own people.
1: Well, guess what? I've been underground since January, and don't feel bad. The journalism community isn't quite, uh, mm, well, never mind. We'll move on. So I just want to go, as we try to go, we're, we're going to run this over 20 minutes, guys. This is going to be more than an hour because I want to hear this story, um, and I know you guys all do, too. Let's go and talk about what is happening with the little ones, Uh, because you haven't. I have
0: no. I Cheyenne is up for adoption in Arizona. I'm not too sure where Austin is right now.
1: When? How long has it been since you've seen them? Eight years. Whoa. whoa.
0: Eight hard years.
1: How old are they now?
0: They are twelve and fifteen now. And if if for some reason by chance that they hear it, I want them to know that their Uncle Ryan loves them with all his heart. I love you guys. I miss you. I'm sorry you're going through this. I'm sorry that you guys
2: had to suffer what they're doing to you. If I could save you, I would. I would save you. I'm sorry, guys. I did my best. I love you guys so much. I love you. I miss you guys so much. I miss you a lot. I miss you guys. I'm
1: so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. sorry. I love you guys. Ryan. You did. You did really good by those kids.
2: I love them so much, guys. I love them. I would never hurt them. I just want them back home where I know they're safe. Where I can love them and I can help them heal because I'm not going to heal until my family comes home.
1: Hey guys, anybody who's listening to this podcast, I'm asking you to please contact us at Justice Speaks Up to assist Ryan with getting Cheyenne and Austin back home. Because guess what? When you have a love for a child, it doesn't matter if eight minutes has gone by or eight years, I can tell you, Ryan will bring, you bring these kids home to Ryan and he will take care of these children and he already licked their wounds once and got them back on track. And you have heard directly from someone, a therapist who is working with him. This is a good man and a good father whose uh, multiple rights were violated, and these children. And, you know, help him get reunited with these children. Bring these children home to him. Uh, Just
2: bring my babies home.
1: Ryan, (laughs) please
2: somebody help me bring them home. They don't deserve this. They didn't do anything wrong, and I didn't do anything wrong. Just
1: bring them home, please. Ryan, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you this. I'm, we're gonna, we're gonna continue to advocate for you, and we're gonna continue to try and find resources for you, and. You have my personal cell number and anytime you want to call me. My phone is open to you available uh, 24-7 Okay Yes, ma'am And um, okay on that note before I burst into tears uh, Ryan Thank you. I'm gonna call you after we uh, sign off and thank you everyone for listening Um, and real quick I'd like to thank all of our sponsors and endorsers including the World Film Institute and uh, Soldier Fit and uh, Simple Life of Luxury and the many people that are supporting this project and uh, you know we love feedback and anybody who would like to contact Ryan from the LGBT community and offer this family support uh, you can uh, email me through the Justice Speaks Up site and I will make sure that you are in touch uh, with him uh, I'm Marcia Sierra and Brian thank you for joining us and everybody we'll catch you on the next episode
0: This has been brought to you by Drown Rat Productions Remember, we are everywhere and nowhere
1: home I turn.